0: What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. Well, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? And if David then calls him Lord, how can he be his son? In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Today, Jesus is asked a question and then speaks in terms we can understand. But then he asks a question in the second half of our reading, and no one can understand and are silent. The first way of his speaking makes complete sense to us, but the second way is beyond our capacity, our heart, soul, strength, or mind. None can comprehend. So in a shocking turn, what Jesus says that we can comprehend cannot save us. But what he says that we cannot understand and even offends us is precisely the truth that saves us. Of course, as you may have guessed, we're talking here about God's two ways of speaking, the law and the gospel. When Jesus speaks the law, we have no problem with it. It makes sense. It echoes the desires of our hearts. It confesses what we experience in this world. It's so simple that even a child can get it. What does God expect of you? Simple. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and shall love your neighbor as yourself. Or, as the poet once opined, all you need is love. You'll notice that no one disagrees with Jesus' answer. It's exactly right. What does God demand? That you love him with your whole being, and that you love your neighbor as much as yourself. This is a correct summary of everything that God has written in his law and by his prophets. Love does what God demands and what your neighbor requires. And on this demand for love, even the atheists, the pagans, and the idolaters agree. This demand everyone knows because it's written on our hearts from the very beginning of the foundation of the world. That also means that every religion of this world agrees. All the religions believe the demand of the law for loving service. But they don't all agree on the how and the who and the when and the why. We can't agree on how to love our neighbors or maybe even who our neighbors are and when this love is required. Is this a time where we need to intervene or not? Should we engage in this program activity for our neighbor out of love? What's the most loving thing to do in this situation? We ask these questions because for us, love is bound and limited according to the desires of our flesh. Love for us is not free and unlimited. That's why we look for loopholes and escape clauses to avoid the fullness of the law of love. But Jesus won't have it, and so he, according to the scriptures, gives the law on Sinai, not to those who didn't already know it, but to those who had rebelled against it. That summary of the law and the Ten Commandments. And then he takes that summary himself, and when he's on a mountain again, he exposits it in its fullness, what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. He shows us the full extent of the law, and that there is no limit, and there is no bound, as love is commanded by the law and the prophets. Love can have no limit because, well, the law demands all things. The law demands perfect and complete loving service, always and forever. You don't get to ask when and why and how or where. Love serves God in everything, and love always cares for the neighbor. Even though we know that this is impossible, it still makes sense to us. It is, well a utopian vision of what this world could be like if only everyone loved each other. So that we agree with the, prof, or the, with the poet, all we need is love. And on this, even the atheists, the pagan, and the idolaters agree, whatever religious persuasion they are of. So Jesus' first word of speaking, way of speaking makes complete sense to us. But while the Pharisees were still gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. His question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. Well, how then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? And if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? After this question, Jesus' interrogators cannot answer a word and don't even dare ask him any more questions. Of course, we're right on the cusp of his passion. So this is their last interaction with him. The questions about the law, well, they were fair, but they were often on useless subjects like ritual purity and specific clothing and healing or doing this or that on the Sabbath. Finally, they ask a question about the law in its fullness, about the greatest commandment of the law, and Jesus answers, brightly. But now he asks them about, well, the most incredible comfort that could come in the gospel by the anointed, by the Messiah, the Christ. He's already redirecting their hearts and minds away from their forever concern about matters of the law and telling them implicitly that it would be far more beneficial to them if they had asked instead about the Messiah or the Christ. Because... He is David's son and David's Lord. In the Messiah, they would be made righteous, justified, and saved. So now he tells them how how they might receive the righteousness of faith, overcome the devil, sin, death, and hell, and know the Christ. Asking questions about the law and the commandments does not bring them much benefit. They already know it full well in their own heart. But now they get to hear of Christ's gospel, which is the greatest gift. For he is the power of God that saves all who believe in it, whether Jew or Gentile. His question is, of course, related to how they understand Psalm 110, verse 1. And Psalm 110, as you maybe have heard from me in study, is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. It's all over the place. We know it's one of those sermon texts that was the basis of the preaching to the church of the Hebrews or as what what we call the book of the Hebrews. It's quoted so frequently because that dialogue between David and the father and the son is the key to proclaiming the gospel. It's the true nature of the Christ revealed to us for faith. What makes no sense to reason is received by faith and for salvation. Psalm 110 becomes the drumbeat of faith in Christ. The message that silenced and confirmed the Pharisees in their unbelief is for you, one that leads you to know and believe who Christ is. And knowing him, you will also come to receive him and the gifts that he comes to give. But again, it can't be received by reason or strength or mind, if you like. It must be revealed by God the Holy Spirit, and proclaimed. This means that even the Christian pastor has a difficult time um, actually preaching the gospel because it doesn't come natural to any of us, not even to the pastor. But it has to be given by the Holy Spirit. The pastor is given only to say what the word says, namely the word of the gospel. So what, what the Pharisees hear sounds like a riddle It's because they refuse to believe. But you hear instead this dialogue about David's son and David's Lord as being a confession of who Christ Jesus is, according to his two natures, very God of very God and true man, born of the Virgin Mary. Yes, Jesus is the son of David, true man. Yes, he is also David's Lord, true God. The first one's quite believable because, as we know, Jesus as true man was born under the law, And even in, of the line and lineage of David and in the the town of David, Bethlehem. So David's son, no problem. But the latter, that he is David's Lord, that is unbelievable. God and man made manifest for the salvation of the world. That can only be received as it is inspired by the scriptures and proclaimed for faith. Or as we confess in the small catechism, I believe that I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But it is only by the Holy Spirit who has called, gathered, enlightened, and sanctified me by the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Jesus, as man, that requires for you no preacher, only eyes, ears, and touch, or a historian. But Jesus, as Lord and God, requires a preacher. Because as Isaiah foretold, I has not seen, nor heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Jesus reveals that David's psalm was being sung about his own kingship, Christ's kingship. How he, Christ, would be victorious and triumph over his enemies. Implicit in that is Jesus warning the Pharisees again before his passion and admonishing them to repent. It is as if he were saying, let go of your malice, stop with your cunning and crafty and guile trying to knock me down with your questions, stop persisting in your rebellion or you will end up as footstools under my feet. There's no way that this psalm is only about natural sons. Because the king refers to his son with greater dignity as his Lord. But David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, not by his human intellect, reason, or wisdom, says what is incomprehensible to reason, but is the wisdom of faith. He speaks of the Christ, his son, and Lord. So Jesus is your Lord and the Father's Son from eternity. He was made man in the last age from the seed of Abraham and David. He only terrifies the enemy whose heart dwells only on the law. But Jesus has revealed to you a more excellent word, the gospel, where you learn that he has created you anew by your baptism in his name, where you learn that he has purchased and won you from all the power of devil, death, sin, and hell. That is, he has overcome the devil, slew death, scattered hell, opened heaven, and made atonement once and for all with the Father. And also, as your king, you learn that he protects and shelters you in this wicked world from all the physical and spiritual enemies that prowl around, and also defend you from all evil of body and soul. And as your high priest, you learn that he has cleansed you by his blood from all your sins, that you have a constant mediator and intercessor before the Father, who speaks well of you, who wins grace and mercy for you. And finally, we'll take you and all his elect to be with himself in eternal life. May God grant it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting... St. John Random Lake That's St. John slash support and give today.